DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. We're joined now by Kyle Gunther, the former Ute. He joins us on the Sprint special guest lines, leasing the handset, and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for coming on. We're talking a little Utes. We're talking a little Cougars. We do a red and blue thing every week. And we are happy to have you here to represent the Red. And I am curious, Utah, BYU, in an opener. Does it fire it up anymore, or are guys out of their minds for openers because they can't wait to get to a game anyway? I think for the Utes, this fires them up a lot more because a year ago they were clearly overlooking BYU. A year ago the Utes had locked up the Pac-12 South for the first time ever. They were looking forward to Washington. And then this roster at Utah, which is at least half, uh, if not more than that, maybe 60 or 70% of the guys are not from the state of Utah. They don't have this hatred towards BYU necessarily. I mean, if you grow up in Texas, you don't hate BYU. And so the game, I don't think the Utah defense especially, I don't think they expected BYU's offensive line to be as good as they were a year ago. So I feel like the Utes were caught off guard and, they were losing that game until the midway point of the third quarter bad. And I think Utah has been watching that film a lot this off season and they want some revenge Man, go back and watch that game from a year ago. Utah's defensive line was in the backfield the entire first half and they would miss one tackle or uh, Zach Wilson would get out and, and make a play with his legs. But no, the, the Utah defense overall, they, they didn't play a good enough game last year for the first three quarters. So, I think because it's not only an opener, but because the Utes want some payback for how embarrassed they should be for the way they played early on in that game, I I think that's the motivation for the Utes this year. So you were on a team, Kyle, that was expected to do very, very well back in the day, and it obviously it did well. I'm wondering about all this hype, especially now. So much has changed just in a few years with all the social media, and it's impossible to ignore the amount of hype that this team is getting, no matter who you are. Is that an advantage or a disadvantage or nothing? I think it's a disadvantage because in the modern era, these guys are glued to their phone. It's like they forgot that there was a previous few thousand generations that were able to do whatever they wanted without the immediate feedback of social media. But I I think the, the attention that the youths are getting is, is rightfully so. I think this is the best team that Utah's had since being in the Pac-12. They have depth. They have the best D-line in the conference, the best running back in the conference. Uh, they have the best overall defense in the conference. But uh, that's why the youths are getting this attention. But, no, you can't hide it from guys. But I've been trying to think, when's the last time the youths were front runners? Because it sure is not the Sugar Bowl year. I mean, the Utes barely squeaked that game out against Oregon State. Yeah. I forget they had a really close one against TCU, I believe, yep. uh, and they were not favored against Alabama. Everybody remembers Barry Switzer's famous comments, and I'm not sure he was wrong to say that there was no player at Utah that would have been recruited by Alabama, and they still won that game. Uh, now things have changed, though, and these players are turning down USC to come to Utah. Jordan Wilmore, the freshman running back, just did that, so – the youths are not a diamond in the rough anymore. They've got guys that are turning down top-flight Pac-12 schools. Darren Paulo, for example, Utah's tackle, he could have gone to Washington or Oregon or USC. He came to Utah. So 
these guys expect to win games now, uh, but as far as Kyle Whittingham's gone, I'm not sure he's ever been a front runner. Yeah, he's having to change his whole approach to the team. Instead of doing the underdog thing, nobody believes us. Now everybody believes in you, so how do you go out and prove that every week? Kyle Gunther joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, talking a little Utah football. Uh, I'm curious how much confidence you have in the offensive line coming together in week one and being good enough to handle the Cougars, or if there's some doubt there and it's a potential it's a potential problem going into this game. Well, I heard you guys talking earlier, and, and DJ, I think you were talking about what it would take for BYU to win this game, and, and that would be it. It would be BYU's defensive line stepping up and, and early on taking advantage of a Utah group that, that's been mixed around. Uh, there's no doubt about it that Utah's offensive line is talented. It's maybe the second or third most talented group we've seen in the Pac-12. Uh, the Garrett Bowles, Isaac Asiata, Year, Sam Tevy, J.J. Dealman, that was the best group ever. Leka Iwatafe, that was the best O-line ever at Utah. This group is not quite as talented, but uh, Nick Ford and Orlando Umana would start for just about every team in the conference, uh, as would Darren Paulo at the tackle spot. Now, Bamo Laseni, the JUCO tackle, had an offer to Notre Dame, to Ohio State. And this guy is a Auburn. He is a legit four-star tackle prospect. But he's got a learning curve. The St. Garden City Junior College, where half the D-line is a chain-smoking party animal. No, these guys actually care in the Pac-12. And that's the biggest difference for a guy like Bam is in JUCO, at the junior college level, guys quit in the third and the fourth quarter. They get tired. They don't quit at BYU. Their D-line isn't as good as it's been in the past, but back to your question, it, it's about Kyrus Tonga. This guy could start for any school in the country, and he's as good a D-lineman as BYU's ever had. But Utah's offensive line does have to show that they can protect better, and I, I really just think it'll come down to the play calling. Last year's play calling was poor for Utah, and Troy Taylor asked Tyler Huntley and or Jason Shelley to hang in the pocket and make these complicated throws, which they weren't able to do. And especially Jason Shelley. I mean, he never played in a rivalry game, and they asked him to hang in the pocket, and he just wasn't comfortable doing that. So I think Andy Ludwig's play calling will make the offensive line mesh because Andy Ludwig knows the importance of running the football. Every offensive lineman can run block. Now, the elite ones can do both. They can run block and pass block. But I feel like the confidence that I have in Utah's O-line will be dictated mostly by the new coordinator in Andy Ludwig. Okay, and I agree with you on that, and they made no bones about their desire to run the ball, and I th- obviously I think they're going to be successful because you know, Moss is really good, whether you, you label him the best back in the conference. I think there's somewhat of a debate, but there's no debate that he's an NFL talent and he's really good. With that in mind, how much better with Ludwig is the passing game going to be? Well, the passing game last year was high risk, high reward. Uh, Troy Taylor would ask Tyler Huntley to make these very deep, complicated throws to the sidelines. Uh, He wasn't asking him necessarily to make the intermediate throws. Tyler Huntley was throwing the dink and dunk stuff, the checkdowns, or he was throwing it deep. And Andy Ludwig understands the benefit of the intermediate routes. Those are the tight ends that are dragging 10 to 15 yards across the field. Uh, Those routes are really important. And Troy Taylor and Tyler Huntley never got on the same page last year, whether they were trying to run those plays or not. They weren't done. They weren't getting it done. And so Andy Ludwig also will help the passing game by establishing some play action. If you don't run the ball consistently, your run fakes don't work in the passing game. I swear, Troy Taylor's main play call was quarterback draw. 
Nothing drives me more insane as a player or as a football fan than watching quarterback draw plays. It's the worst play in football. It's not even a good play if you have Cam Newton, who's 250 pounds, let alone if you've got a guy who's 190 pounds. And Tyler Huntley, I don't know why you call that play so much. And Tyler Huntley, people call him a runner. He's not a runner. He's a passer with great athleticism. And I think Troy Taylor got that confused. He thought his main goal last year was to run Tyler Huntley. And so I, I think what you'll see from Andy Ludwig is the ability to establish that run game early, the, the power run game, so that when your quarterback fakes that power action in the backfield, the linebackers bite, they step up, and then Tyler Huntley can throw those intermediate routes. I swear, Tyler Huntley never was able to throw an intermediate route the last couple of years because they never set it up with a proper set of play action. Kyle Gunther joining us here. Do you trust the receivers if this play action game is is really working? Do you trust the receivers to capitalize on it and make big plays? Man, I, when was the last great receiving core at Utah? Maybe it was the Sugar Bowl. So trust is a that's a tricky one because I feel like the receivers drops were caused a lot by the offense and caused a lot by you know Tyler Huntley and, and the offense overall not knowing. You know, one week last year, they'd throw it 38 times. I think Tyler Huntley threw it 38 times against Washington in September of last year. And then all of a sudden, they're running the hell out of the ball against Washington State in the first half. Zach Moss is averaging six yards a carry. And then they go away from that in the second half and try to throw the ball to close out a game. So when a receiver doesn't know whether he's only – you know, if you're only going to catch one bubble screen in the first half, are you really going to give all that effort on your, your, your out routes or your post routes or whatever you're running? You're, you, know, you, you don't feel like you're going to get the football, so you don't try as hard, and then you're surprised when the ball comes that way. So drops are a team stat. It's not just a bad throw or a bad catch. It's not just bad blocking scheme. It's a team stat. But my confidence level is higher than it's been because these are the highest-rated set of recruits that the Utes have had in quite some time at the receiving court. Solomon Enos is by far the highest-rated recruit the Utes have ever landed. Now, I, I'm more confident if Britton Covey is back, and I, I think the Utes are being a little ambiguous about that. I, I bet he plays against BYU, but he might be a little banged up. And Brian Thompson's the wild card because he looks like an NFL receiver, but he's been banged up. And it reminds me a lot of what the Utes went through with Raylan Singleton, where every year he was atop the depth chart and then would get hurt. And injuries happen. You can't blame a guy, but if Brian Thompson's healthy, yes, I am confident in this group. Without Brian Thompson, we'll see. Is Jalen Dixon enough of a deep threat on his own to provide that consistency that they need through the air? We'll see. Tell me if you buy this theory, Kyle. For the Utes, I think that given the fact that they got two games that they should win coming up before the SC game, that it's almost maybe it is even better for them to not play at click on all cylinders and win the game, obviously, but leave a lot of room left for improvement so it sharpens the focus and gets everybody together and gives the coaches something to crack on going forward because they should be able to win the following two games but get them in the right mindset for when they go on the road to the Coliseum. I absolutely agree, and I guarantee Kyle Whittingham will do that whether or not they win their first three games 150 to nothing. If there's a hand out of place by a linebacker, Whittingham is going to make the whole team run, and he's going to rip them a new one to try to tell them you know, that, that they have not arrived. And that's the hardest thing to do as a football team when you've won a few games is to not start to think you've got it all figured out. It's, it's also a young person thing. A lot of young guys think they've got it figured out, but 
man, you beat somebody up on the football field and the next week you feel like we're going to do it again and again and it just doesn't work that way. But I think the youth are going to start 6-0. and And I think they are going to win at the Coliseum for the first time in 100 years. But I think the BYU game will be that test because I think the youths are going to start with a lead in this game. And I think the youths are going to have a big lead throughout the first half. And then I think you're going to see BYU right back. They never quit in these games. I think BYU is going to shock Utah a little bit in the second half, and that's going to be the fuel for that fire that Kyle Whittingham is going to put in these guys because absolutely he's going to rip you apart even after you beat Northern Illinois. I mean, think about how ugly that game was against Northern Illinois last year. And then what happened? The, the Utes went out and lost to a better team in Washington. And then that was kind of the low point of the season, that Washington State loss, and the Utes were able to turn it around a year ago. But to, to this year's point, they have an offensive identity, and they have an ability to win games the right way. They're not going to start to throw the ball in the second half of a game when they have a lead. I just, I'm blown away by some of the things we saw last year from Troy Taylor. But as far as the confidence goes to beat USC, there's 10 guys on this Utah team that were offered by USC. That was not the case 10 years ago. There was one guy on the team 10 years ago who had an offer to USC. Now it's just off the top of my head. It's probably Darren Paulo, Orlando Umana, Jordan Wilmore, Lecky Fotu. Uh, Johnson, Jalen Johnson. What? Yeah, Jalen Johnson. Yeah, Jalen Johnson, he turned down USC to go to the U. So the U aren't intimidated by USC anymore, whereas they absolutely were 10 years ago. So you just said a 6-0 and start. You think they're going to beat BYU? You think they're going to win at USC? That includes beating Washington State, a team that's beaten them four in a row over six years, a couple of years they didn't meet there. Yeah, I'm 6-0, and but you didn't go to 7-0. and You think they're going to be in trouble against ASU? Oh, yes! Sweet, Kyle! <laughs> well, I know who I'm talking with. I know who I'm going on with. I'm playing to the audience here. Nice. And, I mean, let, let's face it. Arizona State beat Utah last year handily. Washington State did not beat Utah handily. The Utes made – I think that was the one game where Morgan Scally was disappointed in himself because Utah's defense was elite last year, but they said after that Washington State game – they should not have let Gardner Minshew pick them apart that much. They should have brought more pressure. And to be fair, Morgan Scally and the youth thought, let's drop eight guys into coverage because we don't think Gardner Minshew can make decisions that well. And he was. And so he did make decisions that well. And so in the second half, they dialed up the pressure. They brought in that fourth man to rush and sometimes even a fifth guy. They started bringing blitzes. And then – you know, pressure got to Gardner Minshew like pressure gets to every great quarterback. I mean, that's how Tom Brady lost two Super Bowls to the Giants. It was just the New York Giants defensive line made Tom Brady get the ball out of his hand quicker. But, no, this year I feel like you're going to see Zach Moss get 30 carries every week, and so that'll take care of Utah's offensive issues. And I don't think the Utes are going to miss a tackle and give up a 90-yard play again to Washington State. And I just I don't believe that Gage Gebrud at Washington State is going to be as good as, as Gardner Minshew, but – yeah, Arizona State and Eno Benjamin, they are legit. I mean, you guys talked to Eno Benjamin at Pac-12 Media Day. Yeah. That guy is shaped like a fire hydrant. I mean, he is a, he is a really unique player. And uh, Arizona State's got, they've got a good defense, and they've got a good offensive line. So that game's a wild card. I think Arizona State, Washington, and USC are the big wild cards on Utah's schedule. And uh, I think they beat USC because I think USC is going to be imploding. By that point, I don't believe they've solved all their issues from a year ago. But, yeah, Arizona State was a tricky team. And uh, in, until the Utes get over that hump, because that was the team. Remember when the Utes first joined the Pac-12 
ASU's speed on the edge was giving them a lot of problems. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm picking that as the, the big question mark. And also, I'm just trying to appease PK. Way to go. I like it. <laughs> on that note, we'll let you end by sucking up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we appreciate you guys uh, having us on. Thank you very much. All right. Good to hear your voice, uh, Kyle, again. Yeah, we'll have you Thanks, on again guys. down the line. Appreciate you.